You know what I think? I think sometimes when we serve God and things start going well, it makes the devil mad. And brother, things are going well on the young adults and things are going well on the vans and you just stay in the fight, brother. (laughs) Hallelujah. I'm just going to preach from my heart. I'm going to show you some things and then we're going to go home. I decided to forego the notes. Joshua chapter 1, if you'll turn there, please. Joshua chapter 1, verses 10 through the end of the chapter. The Bible says in Joshua chapter 1, beginning in verse 10, Then Joshua commanded the officers of the people, saying, Pass through the host and command the people, saying, Prepare you victuals, for within three days ye shall pass over this Jordan to go in to possess the land which the Lord your God giveth you to possess it. And to the Reubenites and the Gadites and to the half-tribe of Manasseh spake Joshua, saying, Remember the word which Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, saying, The Lord your God hath given you rest and hath given you this land. Your wives, your little ones, and your cattle shall remain in the land which Moses gave you on this side, Jordan. But ye shall pass before your brethren armed and all the mighty men of valor and help them. Until the Lord have given your brethren rest as he hath given you, and they also have possessed the land which the Lord your God giveth them. Then ye shall return unto the land of your possession and enjoy it, which Moses, the Lord's servant, gave you on this side, Jordan, toward the sun rising. And they answered Joshua, saying, All that thou commandest us we will do, and whithersoever thou sendest us we will go. According as we hearkened unto Moses in all things, so we will hearken unto thee. Only the Lord thy God be with thee, as he was with Moses. Whosoever he be that doth rebel against thy commandment, and will not hearken unto thy words, and all that thou commandest him, he shall be put to death. Only be strong. And of a good courage. We have here the children of Israel now have, after 400 years of giving, having God having given the promise to Abram, 40 years of being in the wilderness, and the children of Israel are finally ready to cross over. How exciting that must be! And we see here that Joshua commands the officers of the people. That's either speaking of military men or it is speaking of those who were officers to help Moses as he judged the people. Given the context, I tend to think it's talking about some military men for they're about to take up arms and go and fight. Pass through the host Command the people, saying, Prepare you victuals, victuals. For within three days ye shall pass over this Jordan to go in to possess the land which the Lord your God giveth you to possess it. Now, I don't know. I hope I don't speculate too much, but I look at some of this and I go, How would I feel that day? 
get your supplies ready. We're crossing over. It's the land God's given us, but we're going in there to fight. I remember after 9-11 happened, I was pulled aside, and my commander said, get your stuff together. You're going downrange. We don't know where, and we don't know for how long. And I remember how odd that felt. Now, as God would have it, I went to Diego Garcia. Amen. Um, <laughs> I was windsurfing. I was kayaking. I was snorkeling. I mean, I was living the dream. Adrian's over here spinning out in the snow. I could tell you some stories. But anyway. But it's an odd feeling. And I remember there in Diego Garcia, the, the Marines and the soldiers, they would, they would come through on the C-17 and, and they would head up north. And I remember looking at those young, young men wondering how many of them won't come back. And, and here's the children of Israel. They're, they're on the edge. They're about to cross over. They've got three days until they go over. And I can only imagine that there was excitement that the day had finally arrived, but that there was some fear. I know God has not given up the spirit of fear, but can we just be real for just a second? Can you imagine when those mothers looked at their sons and hugged them? When the wives hugged their husbands and when the Fathers hug their children, and we don't know what's going to happen. And we're not talking a three- to six-month deployment. We're talking a five- to seven-year campaign of warfare. And, and no doubt there was some, some fear there. There was, and maybe that's not the best word, but there was certainly some, uh, you know, wondering what's going to happen and, and yet, I'm sure there was excitement because here they are, and, and they're about to cross over. And, and God here, he tells Joshua, command the people because you got to move. And the two and a half tribes, he had to remind them, don't forget the agreement you made. You're still going to fight for the other nine and a half tribes, even though you decided you didn't want the land. You're going to go over and help us fight. And you're going to do so until we have rest on our side of the river. And verse 16 is interesting to me. All they an- and they answered Joshua saying, All that thou commandest us to do, we will do. Whithersoever thou sendest us, we will go. Now, I don't command that kind of attention. It'd be nice sometimes if, God gave me a vision, and I said, let's go get it. If the people would just say, we're behind you. Let's go get it. All that you command, we'll do. Only the Lord thy God be with thee as he was with Moses. And as God was with preacher, I want God to be with me. Now, we're not going to take matters into our own hands there and put you to death if you disagree with me. Yeah. (laughs) And so, here we are at our church. I mentioned last Sunday, we're at a crossroads. I don't know if you agree with that. 
But I want to give you some things tonight. I want to preach to you about that word that came out in verse number, was it 10? What does it say there? Does it say prepare? Or is it verse 11? Verse 11. Prepare. We're not going to talk about getting food prepared as they were. God said, get your vittles together, you're going. But we're going to talk about some other things that I believe we need to prepare on. I believe with all my heart that our church is experiencing the blessings of God upon it. God keeps sending us people. That's a huge blessing. Only 35% of churches in America are growing. That's as of 2017. Are we going to be one of them? Because we are in danger of becoming a church which has plateaued. And I believe when a church plateaus, in our situation, it's because they have chose to do it. They have chosen to do it. I have a very deep sense of our accountability before God with what He's been sending our way. And if we can grow and we choose not to, am I accountable to God for that? Well, that's a heavy responsibility. We can bury our talent out of fear or we can multiply it as God instructed us in parable form. We can increase our talents. Here's the bottom line. We must reach souls. We must reach souls. Here's three things we must be willing to do. Reach more souls, leave our comfort zone, and do whatever it takes to reach more souls. Here's some stats I wanted to throw at you. I'm going to anyway, but 60% of capacity feels full. 60% in our building would be 107 people. 80% capacity is considered full. 80% in here would be 142. Churches are are said to often plateau when they hit 80%. And for two and a half years, we've been at 145, which just happens to be our plateau point, just over 80%. 29 out of 38 weeks this year, we've actually been above 80%. 56% of churches in America are in decline. 9% have plateaued. So here's our options. We can remain the same. We can stretch one service as far as we possibly can. And we can go to two services. Two Sunday morning services for those who are new to what I'm trying to say tonight. So what if we decide to remain the same? What if we do nothing? We are all stewards of the gospel. As believers, we are all stewards of the gospel. 
And the Bible says that it is required of a steward that he be found faithful. We will give an account to God. If we do nothing, I believe God will direct people to those who will receive them. In Daniel chapter 9, or excuse me, chapter 5, verses 27 and 28, it says, and I won't give you all the background in it, but Daniel's interpreting this. But anyway, it says, Thou art weighed in the balances and are found wanting. Thy kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and the Persians. Now, aren't you glad God doesn't weigh us for our salvation? It's all Christ, none us. But when it comes to our accountability, when it comes to our works, when it comes to what we're doing for Him, there's a scale where God will weigh, and I do not want to be found wanting. Because according to that principle, they were found, the, the, the Babylonians were found wanting, and God said, because of that, your kingdom is divided from you. Is there really a need? Well, the Lord's not willing that any should perish. And I would ask you, has this church been a blessing to you? That's where we all should have took laps and passed out and laughing revival and all that stuff. <laughs> if this church has been a blessing to you, then why wouldn't we want others to experience that blessing? Is there really a need? Well, seating limitations ought to convince you. Parking limitations ought to convince you. Some murmur about the extra chairs that we put out. Some complain that their seat's taken. Imagine complaining about the blessings of God. I know that's immaturity, but that's where some people are at. Some have actually told me I don't attend there anymore because it's too large of a church body for that facility. Now, we understand that a mature Christian would sit on the front row to hear a leather-lunged preacher set the pulpit on fire. But not everybody's at that level. We all grow differently. But still, it's being said. Is there really a need to prepare for this? Contrary to some opinions, chairs added to our seating capacity by a minimum of six, probably eight. There are 216 total chairs in here. There's 181 on the main floor if we include those three oddball chairs back there where two oddballs are sitting. College's like, I'm not odd. <laughs> Mike is for sure, but. <laughs> There's 28 chairs in the choir loft. There's seven in the orchestra. Now, how likely is it that we would fill every single seat every Sunday? Americans want their space. <laughs> Let me prove it to you in case you're like that spiritual one going, no, not me. I... So how many of you have ever been boarding a plane 
and you're hoping, man, I hope this seat next to me stays empty. (laughs) Don't get self-righteous in here. I know you. Why? Because we like our space. (laughs) The same principle goes for church. Most of us like that one-seat buffer next to somebody we don't know. Let's just be real. Um, Men like their man space. We don't want our leg touching up against another man. And I'm just going to be honest with you, other than shaking your hand, I got no reason to touch another man. Amen. (laughs) Greet each other with a holy kiss. Not here. We like our space. Point is, Americans don't want to squeeze in. How many hate it when a speaker ever says this? All right, all of you in the back, I need you to move up. (laughs) We hate that. I remember being in the military and the commander would always pull that. And so I just learned to sit in the front so I didn't have to move. But we don't like being squished in. Now, you go over to the Philippines, you go over to parts of Asia, man, they don't care. They're packing it in. We're much more, uh, we're far less spiritual. We've had three services this year when we've needed to put chairs out in the back. What a wonderful problem. But it's a fire hazard to partially block the exit. We've already had visitors drive into the parking lot and drive back out. I've seen it with my own eyes, and it was somebody I did not know. And I hope it wasn't somebody lost looking for a Savior that day. Is it worth reaching another soul for Christ? Is it worth it to see a family salvaged and grow in the Lord? How can we stretch one service? Well, we can try choir seating again. I would need 24 people every week to say, I'll sit in the choir. We could even sit seven in the orchestra. That'd be awkward to me given how small the orchestra is, but we could do it. We could add about 20 chairs in a foyer and we could live feed out there, but I don't think any visitor is going to want to do that. It would take 20 faithful people to sit out there. That would free up 51 seats on the floor here to take us to max capacity, a body in every chair. But I believe if we did that, we would just naturally stretch back out. Because what do you do when somebody doesn't sit next to you on that airplane? Stretch out, you raise up that thing. If you get enough rows, you're like laying down, sleeping. Don't do that in church. (laughs) How far can we stretch one service realistically? I don't know if any of those options are, are ideal. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. I tend to think that they're not, except for maybe the choir idea. But we also won't ever know unless we try. 
no matter how hard I crunch the numbers in any direction, the choke point is always the parking lot. They tell you you can expect two to two and a half people in your church for every parking spot. If we had 51 more people for a service, it it would require 20 to 25 more parking spaces. We don't have that. So we would have to have a bunch of people agree to park away from here, down at the elementary school, for example. A lot of people are parking on the street. I sure appreciate it. I honestly just don't see us going much further with one service. Just call it a hunch. I just don't see it happening. Now, I would ask you this. If we were to stretch one service, you may be asking, does it really make a difference if we make some room? It's too soon to know for sure, but here's something to consider. Before we went to chairs and we restructured junior church, by the way, I'm not saying that because going to chairs was intended to solve any kind of problem. That was just to get us out of the elevator. We knew that it wasn't going to fix the seating issue. I'm just simply giving you a a timeline in your mind. When we went to the chairs and we restructured junior church to dismiss, to not be in here, to be dismissed, when we did all that, it was right around the same time. Before doing that, we averaged 145 for two and a half years. However, since going to chairs and restructuring junior church, we've averaged 181. Now, to be fair... Two of those weeks, we topped 200. That's probably an anomaly for us. If we throw those out, we still average 170. Is that a coincidence? Well, think about this. We've averaged 37 in junior church over those same seven weeks. And if we add those to our old average of 145, then that equals 182. I'll remind you, our average over that time has been 181. I'm simply saying this. We made space, and more people have come. More souls are being reached. That blows my mind how that worked out. All right, everybody's least favorite topic. Should we consider two Sunday morning services? Is it time? If everyone ages three and up showed up at once, we're not counting below three because we'd throw them in the nursery. <laughs> if everyone ages three and up showed up at once, those who are on our roster and those who are faithful non-members, then we would have the potential to have 206 in our service. If we add the 20 who come in on the vans, it would be 226 all at once. On average, they tell me that, I don't know who they are, but this is what they tell me, 25% of a congregation is absent every Sunday. This means every week we are missing 56 people. Now get this, if you take 226 minus 56, it equals 170, exactly what we've averaged over the last seven weeks. So that, that number bears out. That's amazing. If we throw out the two 200 services. Point is, we can barely fit what we have the potential to show up on any given Sunday. Does that make sense what I'm trying to say? Now you throw summertime in the mix and you got tourists and vacationers and all that. Is it time to go to two services? Remember that 60% seems full, 80% is full. 
60% says to a visitor, this place is growing and there's still room for me. 80% says, this church is full and there's no room for me. We've averaged right at 80% now for three years. Experts say, when you've reached 80%, go to another service or build another facility. I'd love to build another facility, but we don't have the money to do that. One even said, and I had to rewind it to re-listen to it, one even said, when you hit 135 to 150, go to another service. Well, that's where we were at before we restructured Junior Church. There's about, um, there's about to be a large, talking about is there a need for this, there's about to be a large influx of military personnel at the base. It's supposed to be somewhere in the neighborhood of 5,000 people coming in. Rapid City is growing. What are the benefits of two services? Well, your parking doubles. Your seating doubles. People get that space they're looking for. It saves money by doubling parking and seating without entering a building program. It gains money with more potential givers. Well, preacher, you shouldn't be thinking about it. Well, sorry, that's where we're at. As we'll see October the 2nd. What are the benefits of two services? I believe it would expand our faith. Because none of us want to do it. What's the biggest benefit of going to two, two services? Reaching more souls. That's got to be what this is all about. So what would that look like? And I had a cool graphic to show you, but stay with me. It's not two different types of services for some of you that might be freaking out thinking we're going to have a contemporary service <laughs> and a traditional service. That's not what we're doing here. <laughs> we would simply add a service before Sunday school. Same message, same hymns, same service as much as possible. Now, we've seen a lot of momentum in our children's program, so I don't want to divide that up. And I'm just, I'm just jumping ahead for a minute. I'm not, not saying you want to go to two services, but I know some are asking the question. As of now, I would say something realistic would be 8.30 to 9.30, but only have the nursery, no junior church, no anything like that, because I don't want to split up that momentum, and we're running the vans. And a lot of the people that, that talk about two services, the so-called experts, they're a long way away from independent Baptist. I mean, they're not having a Sunday night service, a Wednesday night service. They're just basking in the glory of Sunday morning. So some of this we've got to be careful with. But 10, 10 o'clock to 1045 would be Sunday school, the nursery and all of our classes. The reason I would move it to 10 is because if we ended the first service at 930, you would want time for parking to transition but also, I would want to give time for those who would want to stick around for Sunday school. If you're coming in for the second service, you can mingle with the people from the other service. Because everybody's concerned about not knowing everybody. But like I told my wife, why are you so important that you need to be known? 
I'd rather them know Christ. Now, I've got to be careful there. I'll start preaching. 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock, second service, nursery, junior church. So basically business as usual from 10 on. Some people have said, you know what the best thing to do is? Just change every service. That way people have to make a selection. If I decided to go that route, I would say a morning service at 9, Sunday school at 10.30, morning service again at 11.30. How do we keep a family feel? We are what I would call a very healthy church. The reason I say that is because of what you see here tonight. This is rare. Don't take this for granted. We see a 65 to 75% return. That's unheard of. In, in a day and age in which churches are canceling Sunday night in favor of small groups, canceling Wednesday nights altogether, we're the exception. Thank God. Because we're keeping Sunday night, we're keeping Wednesday night, we're going to be that church. You say, you're going to go down, in the, down with the ship on that? Yeah. If it's just me and my wife in here, we'll be here for church. Because I know this, if I split people up into small groups, y'all ain't getting anything. They've already, they've already done the stats on it. People who have already gone to second groups are saying, or small groups are saying, it's the dumbest thing we ever did. It doesn't work. Well, what did you think, Bill? We need to get Brother Hetzer in here on that one. Our night service, I said all that to say this, our night, our night service is where we keep that family atmosphere. Also, in adult Sunday school classes. And, and we would have to work at getting people, you know, into our adult Sunday school class because right now people aren't too motivated about that. But adult Sunday schools, young adults, adults, uh, eagles and birds or whatever we are, um, and then... By the way, I'd love to have an owl's class. If anybody wants to teach the owls, I think that'd be cool. And then we can have the, the hawks, the eagles, the birds, the owls. Um, that'd be awesome. Anyway, I, I think that's how you keep a family atmosphere. Because honestly, those who you know best are the ones that come back tonight. Let's just be real. Because by the time we get to Sunday night and Wednesday night, now we're into the group of people that love their church. Well, somebody put it this way, so I would have said that wrong by that saying where if you come to Sunday morning, you love your preacher. If you come to Sunday night, you love your church. If you come to Wednesday night, you love the Lord. I know nobody loves me, so I'm not sure why people are coming on Sunday morning. Now, this is kind of corny because I'm just not that guy, but we could offer some kind of coffee and pastry thing downstairs in between dismissal of first service and Sunday school when people can mingle problem with that is you got to be careful because you got to clear out the parking lot or else we defeated the purpose. So the coffee's got to be like that nasty church coffee. You know, we've got to get the day old donuts and there's also multiple events throughout the year that we can gather together. There's monthly events that we have. There's men's prayer. There's ladies meeting. Um, There are ministries where we can serve together. We can also go out to the press and serve Um, we could come up with some hospitable ideas is what I'm saying. Will we be found wanting? What's our choice going to be? There's so much more that needs to be discussed. We're just preparing 
to have the conversation. <laughs> There's a lot more that would need to be discussed, but I didn't want to keep you here all night. Aren't you glad? There's much more that would need to be considered, which we could discuss if we decided to do this. But I believe there's nothing in any of this that we can't overcome. Launching a new service isn't saying, I'm going to launch a new service and hope that people show up. Launching a new service is work, a lot of advertisement. We need to put some shoe leather to the ground. We need to get the word out and invite. Is it worth it if we all reach one more soul? Where am I at? My closing thoughts. Like the children of Israel about to cross over Jordan, I have some excitement mingled with some fear. I don't like to fail. I hate new endeavors. I hate change just as much as you do. If we're going to go forward, then we must prepare. Because we're in this, we're in this facility. Unless some of you are sitting on some money, we're in this facility. I'll admit to you, I have confidence issues. Maybe I'm not as tuned in preacher, but I'm not that guy who easily says, I know that I know this is what God wants us to do. I have a very hard time with that. I've shared that with the deacons behind closed doors. I'm, I've got issues, okay? I wish I had more faith. It's very difficult for me to get out on that limb and say, it's all going to work out. It could fail. And I'll be honest with you, if I sense we lose momentum, we're shutting the thing down, if, if we were to go there. But I also know this, we'll never know unless we give it a shot. Is it a coincidence, as we're about to pass 40 years, that we're considering this thought? I told you in Sunday school, and I meant it, I, I don't plan this stuff out. The fact that we're talking about this in, in concert with the children of Israel crossing into greater blessings, I don't think that's a coincidence. What is God trying to tell us? Well, He seems to be saying you need to make a move. Or you can just stagnate and be like 9% of the churches in plateau. And then we'll slowly die off the scene until we amortize out and we shut the doors. That's where I'm at. Any questions? Yes. Choir. I'm not going to make people labor twice. As much as I would love both services to mirror right off the bat, I just don't want to do that to people. Now, if choir members said I would love to sing at both services, God bless you. We'll do it. But in the meantime, I say keep the choir in the second service if we were to do that and then let the first service grow till they have their own choir. It's a good question. I don't have all these answers yet, but that's what's initially on my mind. Yeah, and I've talked to him. He's promised me he'll work. 
Because honestly, who it affects the most is the preacher, the song leader, and the piano player. It'll take more nursery workers, but Adrian knows how to crack a whip and get these ladies to work. I mean, that's why I'm, here. I'm up here. She makes me do this. <laughs> Candy, was your hand up? Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. And honestly, sister, what I've read is you go ahead, and I've told the deacons this before, we've got to posture ourselves like we're running more. Because more comes in, and we're not ready for it. My life just got really miserable in a good way. However, I meant to say that where it sounded like I love this. Anybody else? Mike Chavez. Right. Well, if you look at the percentage that we average right now for Sunday school, it's not going to be a problem. We don't see a big enough show up for Sunday school that even if we had two services who went to Sunday school as our one service does, it's not going to pack out Sunday school. Now, you're already packed out, and I've got some ideas I need to talk to you with after the service. But um, it shouldn't be a factor unless it starts to pack out. And I'll tell you this, I love having this problem so much, I'd love to have it twice. So I don't know that I have the answer for that yet, except to tell you that from what I've looked at, it, it wouldn't overflow, at least the adult class. We, there wouldn't be enough people. And there's not enough people staying for Sunday school. Does that make sense? Did I answer your question? Yeah, me too. Yeah, absolutely. And so what I would do at that point, sorry, I kind of I got off track then. At that point, what I would do is I would look at some of us who are younger and more capable. We would have to go park down at the elementary school. That's all there is to it. We would have to make that sacrifice. Yeah, we, we sure could, especially at that hour because the vans run at, what, nine-ish? And so we could, we could run a shuttle to get people to the service, um, and then we could work out the logistics of getting them down there because we wouldn't need them again to haul the kids out until after the second service. So there are some options, but it would require buy-in from the whole church, and, and that's why I'm trying to prepare us for, for this now because it's a big deal. There's a lot of things like this that will come up, and it all go, ah, I didn't think about that. There's a lot of little things that come up along the way. Anybody else? Jim. Uh huh. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. I mean, that's our choke point. Like I said, no matter how hard I crunch the numbers, our problem is parking. And if you don't have parking, you don't get them in. 
And I know, uh, I know Elijah and I park in the grass. I know several of you park at the school. Many of you park on the road. That helps. You need to view that as a ministry. It makes a difference. Ever since we started making those changes, we've seen steady increase. So that's a good point. Mike, or Ralph Hollinsworth. I, I can somebody yeah 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 so take for example a whole church function like anniversary days when we have our anniversary meal um, we would get as many as we could up here and then the younger people we'd send downstairs I, there's just no other way around it there's there's no ideal situation here folks Alex I heard noises and I saw this. How would we handle preaching as opposed to like a meal? Oh, um, that would have to be one of those things where we just squeeze. Like I said, there's, there's no good answer. But let's look at it this way. There's only three events a year that are like that. Anniversary meal, anniversary days, dessert auction, which we're not all going to show up for. That's up here. Um, and there's one, sweetheart banquet. And we could probably easily see our sweetheart banquet double. So we're really only talking about getting real uncomfortable, Ralph, maybe one time a year. No, 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 you're right. And, and again, these are things where, you know, am, do I have all the logistics figured out? No. I just want to prepare us for it, but I want the questions because it helps me to think. Does somebody else have a hand up? Adam. Well, we've explored that, and that's just not going to happen. It's very expensive. There's um, no need to put that kind of money into this facility at this point. And we do have to put in landscaping points for any grass that we take up due to city ordinances. And so those points vary. They're, they're really squirrely. You know, a large tree is 2,000 points. A square foot of grass is five. I don't know. It's, it's nonsense. So we have looked at that. Um, but as of right now, the answer would be no. Because it would cost thousands upon thousands to get because we have grassy area over there. We have grassy area over here. Um, we thought about just laying down rock and parking on it, but you can't do that on Sydney ordinance now. So the, the government's rearing its bureaucracy and all that. Anybody else? Natasha. That's right. Yeah, no, that's absolutely true. Statistics have shown that your first service usually ends up being young adults and seniors. Because seniors are like, man, I'm up at 4 o'clock drinking coffee. Let me just go ahead and go to church. <laughs> and young adults are exactly what Natasha said. I just want to get, I just want to check my box and I want to move on with my day. Like it or lump it, that's where it's at. 
I say we still need to reason with the gospel. So if they go hiking and break a leg, they can call us. And we can go nanner, nanner, nanner. Darlene. Yes, we did. Yeah, I think the way I took the question, though, was if we had, let's say we had two congregations, two services full, are we going to fit all them during the anniversary day week? Chances are we probably would because during anniversary days, we see about 100 and maybe 10, 120 in here during Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And if we doubled that, we could make it work. Now, I, I want to go ahead and tell you, I'm not ever talking about going to three services, okay? I, I'd be a walking zombie, and two services is, that's where we'll have to be till God gives us a, pla- a, a, a building. Anybody else? Wonderful. If you have any questions that you want to ask me but were too afraid to ask in public, please come and see me. Um, I have thought about a lot of this. There are a lot of little things, like I said, that will come up. Things that we don't really think about at first, like who's going to take up the offering during a first service? You know, we don't want to stretch the choir so thin that they hate singing and have them in both services. But to further answer that, what some churches do, Lisa, and I would, not, I would never ask us to do this, is they come for the first service, sing in the choir, sing in the choir, and then when we dismiss shaking hands, they go home. That's what some people do to get around that. But I'm not going to ask anybody to do more. Uh, many of you are stretched thin as it is. And I want to be sensitive to that. And I think we ought to be able to raise up people from another group of people. And they can staff their own nursery in time. Right? Everybody with me? So that's how that would work. All right, anything else? Well, I appreciate you hearing me out tonight. Um, I, we're just preparing. Prepare. Prepare. And I don't want to be found wanting. I want God to smile upon our efforts. We, we should all be very excited that we have these problems, quote unquote. Um, this is rare in this day. Let me quantify that because I realize there's a lot of churches doing it. For King James, hymns, old-fashioned church, to be having this problem, it's rare. Because we are a dying breed. Family just came through this morning on their way back to Texas. And she said, and he said, that uh, we went to services last week, if you could call it that. And they said they advertised themselves to be something they weren't. No King James. No old hymns of the faith. And uh, they're dying out. This, this is dying out. But I want us to be the exception. There's something, my prayer has always been, and I want to reiterate this, my prayer has always been that people in Rapid City would know that God still honors holiness. That you don't have to capitulate to get people in the building. And I just want to reach people for Christ. If this thing isn't about the Great Commission, then God needs to shut the whole church down because we need to be out winning souls for Christ. The Bible says in Matthew 9, 36, but when he saw the multitudes, 
he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Let's pray. Father, I love you. Thank you for the sweet spirit tonight. Lord, I'll just confess, I don't know what to do. But I know you're telling me that we have to do something. I need wisdom. And I'm claiming James 1.5. Where you said, if any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God. Who gives it liberally and upbraideth not.